Hello everyone, I'm your host Toko and this is my podcast service for that. Welcome, welcome back. And as you can tell by the title, this is going to be talking about how our actions as Christians are not necessarily about our rights, but our responsibilities. And I think this is going to be quite a, kind of a different type of episode, but I do think it's very important to talk about because as Christians, we are influenced by what we receive and therefore we influence others to make godly or non-godly decisions and so i think there's something to be said about that because we are responsible for what we like take in and also we can also be held um accountable or to account by how we influence others and this doesn't just apply to people in public ministry but how you go out as a christian to present yourself to other believers and or non-believers or weaker believers so let's just get into it we're gonna be talking about um when i be in first corinthians 8 it's quite a short chapter and it's very important i think so i'm gonna read it first and we're gonna talk about what this means in the context of this episode So it says, now regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols. Yes, we know that. Yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a god, and there's only one god. There may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth, but and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, there is only one God, the Father, by whom all things were created, and for whom we live. And there is only one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created, and through whom we live. Verse 7 says, However, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to think of idols as being real, so that when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think that it they think of it as the worship of real gods and their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge, that's in quotation marks, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their own conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weaker believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you and when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you're sinning against Christ. So if you so if what I eat causes other believe another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. So I think this portion of scripture just kind of takes our um perspective out like the whole what about me thing because i saw this thing so that was like oh we live in a very what about me society and it was i don't know if anybody has seen it it was just like this bean soup um tiktok and then the comments were like oh what if we don't like beans and then someone stitched in and was like well 
it's a bean soup recipe so don't make the recipe and the whole context behind the stitch video was people are so self-involved that they expect something that is specifically or explicitly said to be something to have some sort of accommodations for them and obviously if the if the if there's space for variation then that's okay but i don't think there should be variation to accommodate our, accommodate our needs in every single circumstance so how that applies to the faith is that sometimes or even most times really our perspective and our comfortability will not always be considered as um superior most of the time when we are walking in the faith it will always most likely going to consider somebody else's um comfortability or um perspective be it god or other believers over our own because that's part of the heart of service because if we are so self-centered we won't be able to see beyond ourselves so how that applies to how we um can be of influence to unbelievers and believers of weaker conscience i think has something to do with how even though we grow in our faith and i've experienced this myself even though we grow in our faith and we know more about god we have we see him in a deeper deeper perspective season by season i do think we shouldn't be so growth focused that we don't see how our actions might affect people who were once like us and i think that was my um dilemma with a lot of these um very very theological um terms being brought up in sermons because not everybody goes into theology school right i'm not saying th- um theology basically the study of the bible and basically teaching the bible from an academic perspective i'm not saying that's wrong obviously there's a space for those things and obviously if the spirit of the lord is convicting you to do so then do it but i feel like if you're throwing terms that are like excommunication i know that's a very simple term but i don't think a lot of people may know that or even just like another term that um is contrasted with legalism i forgot it i forget it i think it just kind of throws me for a loop whenever i hear it but basically when i'm here when i hear terms that are just so like theologically based i just kind of switch off and i think although those are very good um terms that are maybe very eloquent i do think that sometimes it can show off knowledge as opposed to moving in love because while your point might be something that is very important i don't think relying on that is a f- proper form of reaching people who are not of a strong conscience as paul puts it so yeah i just kind of wanted to discuss this and kind of see how jesus um walked in this way and how he met people where they were at and how he influenced us so we can be of influence to others so i kind of jotted down what jesus's life was kind of marked by just a general sense obviously there's so much more than this and i think one of the things that really stood out to me in relation to the scriptures that jesus always met people where they were at meaning that he was never too high up in society or social rankings for him never to meet the common folk and i think an example of this is when he went to lazarus he heard that lazarus was sick and yes he did take his time and there's a whole meaning behind that another meaning behind that i mean but i do think it is important to note that he actually went to seek lazarus and to heal him himself and i think that speaks to how jesus was not an extravagant extravagant guy he never lived 
for the things of this world. He never had a home. You never really hear, oh yeah, Jesus went back to his actual home. He can go back to his hometown where he grew up, but he never owned a home. He literally used to couch surf. Something that is very frowned upon today is what Jesus used to do. And he he always traveled in the most humble ways. When he comes, when he goes into the city just before the resurrection, I mean, for before the crucifixion, he goes on a donkey. Donkeys are not extravagant creatures to be riding upon you if you want to be if you want to show your wealth you'd ride you'd ride on a chariot or a horse he he rode on a donkey and he traveled with fishermen very common folk he he ate with people who were sinners and we get that iconic verse that's like healthy healthy people healthy people don't need a doctor sick people do that's where that comes from where he was sitting in the house of matthew and the pharisees were like why does he eat with such scum ew and he was like nah they need they need me people who are aware of their shortcomings need me not those that are th- that think that they're good you know and also he had a very radical but very true views of the time where he talks about how if somebody slaps you offer enough, offer another cheek very um servant based or humbling humble ba- humility based i beg your pardon humility based teachings and always considering the old, another person's perspective and another person in general part of servant leadership and not only did he teach about this he showed that he showed this or he walked in this by offering his life for us and by and just by being with the people having compassion over them i think there's a verse that talks about how he had compassion over the crowd because they looked like sheep without a shepherd. That is him showing his servant leadership because I think I've, I think there are a lot of leaders and I've also seen a lot of leaders that just love the title more than they love the, the act of being a public servant in any capacity. But as a Christian, we are not supposed to be like that. We're supposed to be servant leaders. That's why Jesus said those who will be first, who want to be first must be last. Those who want to be higher up in heaven must serve essentially and the same applies to us although we're not in heaven we do need to be of service we do need to be people who don't just think of the title or the esteem that comes to leadership and as somebody who's been in like leadership spaces the title is the least important part of the of the job it is the least important part it's like it's like the very last thing the first like week or so the first month and most, it's like, oh, yeah, look at me, I've done this. But the work and the service that, that's, that's the act of putting people first and the actual, like, responsibilities of that job first, that takes first preference. And I personally learned a lot from that season of, like, oh, it's not just about the season. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not just about the, the, the um, I beg your pardon, it's not just about the, the title, it's about the, the role and the responsibility behind it. So, yeah, I think that's very important to discuss and not just in the leadership perspective, but also just in how we affect people's walk in Christ as we'll get into in very specific um, scripture. So coming back to Jesus, that was a bit of a tangent. The last little point that um, I want to talk about, or the second last point I want to talk about is that he modeled out dependence on God in his ordinary status. So although his miracles are very, very 
though just that miracles he still modeled what it would look like and he gave us an outline of what it looks like to, to depend on God and I wrote down um when he feeds the 5,000 people that came from such an ordinary um provision like two fish and five loaves that's somebody's lunch it was a little boy's lunch very ordinary and while the disciples were panicking like yeah we'd have to work months to feed all these people Jesus said you know what let me show you guys how it's done and yes the miracle was very very like insane but it was showing I think another like the deeper meaning behind that was showing dependence on God like Lord bless this food not I will bless the food but God please bless the food that's a that's a whole different way of living when we learn to depend on God in everything in prayer in provision and in just a hard season if that's what it is we will see change it doesn't necessarily have to be like more like in terms of quantity but it can just be a quality of life you may not even you may you will experience character growth I've personally been walking through that and I think it's very important to talk about. And the last little point is that I think Jesus, in this point of like Jesus doing things um, in dependence of God, I think what that means for us is that Jesus all, did all these things in love and so should we. And as Paul puts it in verse 2 of chapter 8 but while knowledge makes us feel important it is love that strengthens, strengthens the church meaning that knowledge is very important and it makes us feel important like when like the example that i gave about people who use very theologically based terms that's very important and it's it makes us feel like we know what we're talking about but it's love that makes us that actually strengthens the church because the church the body of christ is more important than whatever we perceive as Make that, whatever we perceive as important, whatever we, we esteem for ourselves to be important. So essentially, we should be thinking about the entire body as opposed to ourselves, going back to servant leadership and going back to being of service. So I think when we think of like the knowledge of God, I kind of think of the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law, specifically the teachers of religious law, because that is literally that they literally taught the religious law, meaning the Ten Commandments and I think like the entire book of Leviticus, they kept by that. And yet they lived such miserable lives. Like, yes, they were very important men. However, they were in, throughout the gospel, these Debbie Downers who would come and see Jesus doing such amazing things. and be like, um, actually, you're not supposed to be doing that. It's the Sabbath, you know? And I think, I think um, it's just an, an example of what it looks like to be so legalistic and basically living by the law it actually bounds you and i and i believe romans 7 talks about this in great length and that's not a life that should be led essentially and when we consider that as opposed to the love of god the love of god was displayed on the cross jesus gave us a through way through the through the through the veil that was cut in half or torn in half into the innermost place of of the presence of God through his life, through the sacrifice that was on the cross, we are able to meet with God and to kind of tabernacle with him, meaning that we can go into the most inner places, into the most inner, intimate places alone with God without having to 
live by the law. The law is very important. However, we have Jesus now who was the word of God, fulfilled the scriptures in order for us to have a deep relationship with God. And so I think because of this, sometimes as believers and because of knowledge specifically, we can kind of become very like theologically technical, meaning that we can see all these um, connections to the Bible. And I've I encourage people to read the Bible like this. Look for Jesus, whether it's in the New Testament or the Old Testament, pre-Gospels um, or post-Gospels. Look for Jesus. We can see references from, to the Psalms in the New Testament. Like, I think Paul's books kind of refer refer back to the Psalms a lot. We can even see Jesus talking about King David, for example, when he and his disciples break off um, the husks of wheat in the field. They're like, yeah, David actually went to go and eat holy bread. I mean, and if we see that scripture, we can think of Jesus like, oh yeah, Jesus said this. That's very important and we should be doing that. We should re- be reading the Bible. It's a very theologically based term. I'm so glad I don't remember it right now. But we should be reading the Bible looking for Jesus and we should, it's good to make cross references and read them and read them. If you see something that reminds you of something, look it up and see if it's true for yourself. However, I do think that if we focus too much on knowledge of what we grasp from the Bible and apply it into our lives and think of our re- our real lives as like a academic study, we can kind of miss the responsibility that it is to serve younger believers, people who are coming up in the faith. And that's why I don't necessarily go into a lot of like research in my pod- on my podcast because I want it to feel like a like a conversation that kind of makes sense. That's why there's a verse for that. Like, oh, there's a verse for that. And although I'm reading like a whole chapter, I'd really try as much as possible to condense things into an understandable way. And I know I'm quite wordy, but I do think that it's important to have a space where things make sense and even if you're not a a very like grounded or established believer yet I'd want this podcast to make sense to you and that's why I, I take so much time explaining things or giving examples because I think it's important to have that and as somebody who was kind of like saved during the pandemic most of my knowledge wasn't necessarily from a personal relationship with someone although I had my mom my dad and everybody around me I think I spent most time learning about God on like TikTok and stuff like that and sermons and sometimes there were people who would speak things over me I'm like girl this doesn't make any sense to me right now and I think I really wanted to speak about this because I really do feel for people who are fighting to believe in God people who are still lukewarm people who are battling the to cross the fence over into Christ. People who are sitting on the fence looking at God but looking at the devil on the other side, I really do feel for them because that's a very tense season where the devil wants to... Well, basically, both sides are trying to pull you. The devil wants you to live in a sinful lifestyle and God's calling you to greatness, to greatness and um, glory. That's such a hard season to be in. The very, very first season right before you give your life completely to God I think is very very hard very hard and I think as believers now 
myself included, we have a responsibility to make sure that what we are doing and what we're showing these younger believers is of God and doesn't corrupt whatever view of God they have. I'm not necessarily saying it from a perspective like, oh, God is non-binary. Be biblically accurate, yes. But from the from the perspective of religious practices, we should be mindful. Like if somebody still believes in the Sabbath, let them believe in the Sabbath. Don't don't try and say, oh, actually, you know, the Sabbath becomes obsolete after Jesus. Da, da, da. Don't I, I don't really encourage that at all. I don't really encourage that, that whole um trying to be trying to be culturally correct type of thing over moving in love. Trying to be um legalistic and this kind of like authority to authority to figure versus being someone's friend. I've had to apologize to people so many times for being legalistic and be like um actually that lifestyle of yours like i'm being honest like once you get to a point of like knowing so much about god it's very tempting to look at people who are struggling and be like ugh, this person and when we think um, and when we move like that how different are we from the dis from the pharisees and the teachers of religious law how different are we from the people who literally sent jesus to die on a cross it's very very deep but i do think it's important to address because Sometimes when we look at people who are doing things in an unconventional way, we kind of feel like, oh, glad I'm not them. But what if God is calling you to speak to them? What if God is calling you to see what is righteous in their lives, sift out all the unrighteous practices and use their core values that are, that are biblically based to encourage them? I don't think it's fair to expect new believers to be completely like on their game, like established a, a, a very um, intense routine. I think it's kind of giving them too much to handle. Obviously it depends on what the Holy Spirit convicts them because I do think that there's some people where when they are um, first saved, it's very much so a cut cold, cut cold turkey type of thing where every single mark of their previous or their unsaved life is cut off. But for some people, it can be, oh, um, I'm still trying to figure out how to enjoy the Bible. I'm still figuring out how to actually like worship music over secular music. And that's where we, sticking with the secular music example, that's where we, if we are Christians who are listening to secular music, we shouldn't feel like, Oh yeah, you should you should just completely listen to gospel music when you yourself aren't listening to gospel music. Hope that example makes sense. And coming back to the scriptures here, verse nine I think is very important. This is um again first Corinthians eight verse nine. But you must be careful that so you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others of with a weaker conscience to stumble. Your freedom, sticking with the secular music example, just to correct myself, your freedom to, if this is your version of freedom, to either listen to gospel music or secular music or both. If somebody is saying, yeah, I feel like listening to secular music isn't good for me. I don't think it's wise to listen to secular music around them. If they are on the right track to say, I'm thinking of cutting things off and you are encouraging or you know, displaying enjoyment 
of what they're trying to cut off. I don't think it's wise to continue doing that in their presence. I'm not saying live a double life, but model out what it could look like for them to choose another thing, to live with, with, with one or the other. And that's what Paul gets at here in the last verse, in verse 13, which says, so what so if what I eat causes another person to sin, another believer to sin, I beg your pardon, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. The whole context behind this is whether or not we should eat food that has been sacrificed to idols. And obviously, if you're a believer, you know it doesn't really matter. Obviously, pray over the food, but you won't die if you eat that meat, as long as it's been, you know, cooked properly. You don't want to get food poisoning, but you won't die. And so if somebody believes that, oh, this is unrighteous food, if they're still coming out of a orthodox, you know, legalistic type of thing, or even just another religion, I don't think it's wise to try and corrupt their mindset and try and force them through your own human experience, to forsake that. No, let the Holy Spirit deal with that. We are not responsible for other people's salvation. We can play a role, we can be vessels for God to use, but ultimately God is the one that calls people to be to his own, to be in his, in his kingdom. He knows who are go- who, who's going to be saved. He knows the ones who are going to be written in the Lamb's book of life. It's all there. And he's given us his spirit to rely on to bring people to the body of Christ. Not about us. One thing about this um, chapter is that it's not about us. It's not about, oh, my life, da 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 oh, this and this. It's about what the Holy Spirit convicts both of you guys to do. If the Holy Spirit says, yeah, cut off secular music for this, cut off secular music in general. Yes, it may be or it will be for your um, righteousness but it can also be used for a model or as a way as a means to model righteousness to another person or to confirm or encourage another person's walk in christ if somebody sees you doing what they've been thinking about it will most likely give them the encouragement to do it as well there have been times where i've seen like people in my life do something that i've been thinking about I'm like yeah actually that's so good for example my sister she sleeps so early she has a such she has such a good routine she wakes up at 4 a.m um then goes to sleep at uh, latest nine o'clock in the night i'm like oh that's so good and she has chosen that lifestyle for herself and i have seen that and i'm like oh i actually want to do that and it has given me the encourage it has given me the the motivation to actually carry that out in my life that's such a dumb that's such a um simple example not a dumb example but i do think it can be used for this for this podcast episode because i think sometimes when we look at the lives of other people we want to we we definitely want to grasp the good things however it can be hard if those good things aren't being put on display and it once again depends on what the holy spirit is convicting you of like if the holy spirit is convicting you to i don't know start a clothing brand as a christian right it would be wise to see someone who has some sort of experience in the clothing business and model after them now that person who is in the clothing business has the responsibility to show 
believers, not just that specific aspiring clothing business entrepreneur, but other believers, what it looks like to have a clothing business. And I think it kind of speaks of like the snowball effect or like string theory. I hope I'm using the right theory there. And I think because of, so just for, just an, just for an explanation, basically what we do affects other people and what they do also affects us and also affects a greater number of people essentially. And when we think of things like that, it kind of takes us and our self-centered perspective out of the equation and to look at the bigger picture, which is essentially bringing people closer to Christ and, to, and into purpose. So, yeah, I wanted to kind of talk about that. And I didn't want to make this too long because it's getting, it's going, it's bordering on 30 minutes now. And it's been very interesting to watch how people perceive God and especially when like very famous people come to the come to the body of Christ and how people receive them you know like I've definitely haven't necessarily seen like t- tweeted anything or you know left a comment or anything but I've kind of had conversations in my private time and um even just like reading and thinking about stuff like in the past I would be like oh I hope they stay hopefully you know they don't go back to their lifestyle and if they're still living in like in that season of trying to eliminate things, I've definitely in the past have been like, oh, look at them. They still look warm. But I don't think that's the right perspective because they're still learning. Sometimes people forget that we were once baby believers. I was once somebody who was battling so deeply with so many things. A vulgar mouth. I used to have a potty mouth. Um, K-pop so badly had been in a chokehold. I mean, just living immorally listening heavily to very demonic music every single day. That was my lifestyle while after I professed Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And many of us were like that too. Many of us still struggle with things and that's okay. But how can we go around being hypocrites when we ourselves are striving those same things that we're judging? It's so sad to see that people kind of prove unbelievers, right? Like, oh, Christians... Not all the time, obviously, but oh, Christians think they're so perfect, da, da da da, and they're so hypocritical. I've seen that online, and I've gone like, "Hey, wait, where is this coming from?" And as a Christian, I've definitely seen that happen, and it's unfortunate that people don't, people don't necessarily have this kind of care for other people's walks in Christ. I'm not saying that we should constantly be living to people please people, or to please people. It wasn't very nicely worded but I'm saying that the Holy Spirit has to be at the center of that if the Holy Spirit is convicting you to do something don't just think about oh how will I look what if it's an opportunity to let somebody else see how you live your life how you may be a vessel to encourage them to live to go deeper into God so it's not always about us. It's definitely, definitely a big portion about us. But I do think that that big portion doesn't necessarily always have to overpower what it could mean for other people. So yeah, I didn't want to make this too long. I've said this before. It's on actually 30 minutes now. Hopefully this has been helpful. Hopefully it will get you thinking about how your actions and what the Holy Spirit convicts you to do 
may affect other people's walks in Christ. And just think about other people. Let's be people who are selfless. You know, people who don't necessarily just think of themselves less, but think of themselves less, you know. Hope that made sense because I heard someone say it. I wanted to put an integrated into this. So yeah, I would encourage you now to go and spend a long time with God. Ponder this. Ask the Holy Spirit to not just reveal what this message means, but what this message means, but just life and what He's been teaching in the season as a whole. Because the Holy Spirit will always have something to say. It only it only matters, or you only hear it when you allow Him to to speak into your life if you actually have the ears to listen so yeah please go and spend a long time with god and by the way this podcast will be closed for about two weeks we'll be back on the first week of january after new year's so yeah please enjoy this festive season please be safe and most important As you may or may not know, Christians are being persecuted in other countries on a daily basis. So I believe it's up to us Christians, fellow believers in Christ, to support them either financially or spiritually. So would you please, please, please click the link in my bio under persecuted Christians, support them financially and join me in prayer either five minutes, two minutes a day just to pray for them and pray for their strength and their courage to continue worshipping God and to continue following Jesus. Thank you.